Welcome to the Wisdom Catchers podcast, where our goal is for you to grow in wisdom as you apply the truth of God's word and glean from the experiences of others. We hope that these next few minutes will help you develop as a Christ follower so that you can help others apply God's truth to their lives. Let's jump in to the word of wisdom today. Before we get started, I want us to pray. I want us to take a couple minutes and and invite the Holy Spirit and just allow him here. But specifically, I want to pray for uh, Braden. Braden. As Pastor Sherry, uh, first off, thank you, Pastor Sherry and Pastor Durant, for giving me this opportunity. But uh, as you were talking about him and we were praying for him, I was reminded of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And the Gospel of John, chapter 11, it's a famous story. It's uh, Jesus... Martha, Mary, I'm going to set the stage with the characters of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, right? And, and Martha and Mary were upset because Lazarus was dying. And they sent forth to Jesus, to, to Jesus, come, because you could save him. If any, you know, they didn't have modern medicine like, like we do today, but Jesus could save him. Jesus has done many miracles, and Jesus takes his time. But the point I'm getting at is that Jesus calls forth Lazarus. And as you were praying, as you were talking, the Lord, I really want us to pray to call forth Braden. Call forth Braden, okay? So let's take some time and pray for him. All right, guys? Join with me. Father, right now we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that you said greater things we would do, Jesus. And I know that we can call forth together. And you said if we have faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Lord, we have faith. We have faith because we know you are real and that you speak to us. We also have love because we know you love us. So Lord, right now we call forth together, Braden, come forth out of this coma in the name of Jesus Christ. We call you forth, Braden. Your time is not done yet. It's time to come. You're just asleep. So wake up in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for more, more of your presence in this room right now, more of your power in this room right now, more of your love in this room right now. Thank you, God, that you're moving right now, that we're going to hear a report by the end of the day. Thank you, Father, for more. And this goes beyond him. There's stuff in your lives that it seems like it's dead, and God's saying, call it forth. Call it forth. Stop allowing death to win. Call it forth. So, Lord, call forth whatever is happening right now in everybody's lives. I don't know if it's emotional, mental, financial, physical. Call it forth. Maybe it's a dead dream that you thought was gone. Call it forth. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your resurrection in your life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that flows through us. We love you. Lord, I pray you have the floor here. I pray you have the floor. Speak to us how you want to speak, not how Chris wants to speak. Not how anybody else will speak. You know how to speak to us so we we get it and we understand. So, Father, I humbly just submit to you and just say, have your way, man. Have your way. We love you. Clothe us in your love. There's somebody in here who doesn't realize it, but you're clothed in righteousness. Your sins are gone. He washed them away. (laughs) and he's given you a white robe to wrap around you. He loves you. Hey, what you did yesterday is yesterday, man. Let it go. Let it go. You got to get past it. He has already forgotten it. He loves you. Stand back up. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Don't let the lies deceive you. 
He loves you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, before we get started and I share my funny story like I did with first service, I want to share another story because I'm full of stories. I'm the great storyteller, but I can't write. My wife brought me through uh, my master's degree, okay? I didn't earn that degree. She earned it, okay? And she'll be the first to tell you. There were hours, and this isn't even the story. I'm just rabbit trailing. There are hours of I was writing these like 15, 20-page papers at Regent for these great professors, and my wife's like, what did you have on the paper? I'm like, words? And she's like, this is horrible. So we spent hours of me telling her, I don't know, just fix it, and her getting frustrated with me. Like, I'm not going to just do your homework for you, Chris. I'm like, please? <laughs> so my master's degree should say Amanda Alex, not Chris Alex. Um, she helped me through it. But anyway, so I'm a storyteller, but I'm not good at writing things. That's the whole point of that. Uh, real quick testimony. When Pastor Sherry was up here talking about giving, and it was really funny because she said, Lord, if that's extending the, t- the treads on our tires, and this is a true story, 100% true. My wife and I went through a huge uh, financial valley um, to where we didn't have a job, couldn't get a job. Computers were crashing at the VA. People trying to help me. Their computer crashed. They would be cursing. I laugh at them. Told, told you, Jesus doesn't want me to have a job right now. Anyways, so we had one. We had one. Uh, we had two cars, um, but I had to trade. I had to give mine up, and so my wife's car was there, and she has a 2015 Chevy Traverse, and I took it in for an oil change. And they, you know how they check the tires, right? And they tell you it's 432s, 332s, whatever, right? Well, I remember it because I have it written down at home. The, I have the original paper. It was uh, 432s all the way around. And they said, you're going to need tires then. And I said, well, I don't have money for tires. So I'm going to pray. And I do give. The point isn't about me giving. The point is God sustains us. Right? That's the point. He, he could care less about my giving. He cares more about my heart right, and my willingness to do what he wants, to obey. Right. So in, in his word says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, so do not worry about money. Hebrews 13.3. Why? Because we worry about money. Because money becomes an idol in some aspects. And so the next, I said, well, we're going to have to pray and ask the Lord if somebody's going to give me money for tires, because I don't have that much money for four tires. Um, I could barely feed my kids. So I don't know, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Trust me. Trust me, Chris. I got you. The next time I went and got an oil change, guess what the tread was? 732s. All the way around. All the way around. And I have the paperwork to prove it. So he literally can sustain the, you know, to make your treads. I, I, there's nothing to explain. I mean, it's like, right? Like, okay, Jesus, you can do this. Nothing is impossible with you. You know, so I just wanted to share that to say, yeah, give, man. Trust me. Trust me, I've been, I've been through so much. And he sustained me through so much. That there's nothing impossible with the Lord. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. So, 
I wanted to share, uh, I'm going to share it quickly because of time, because I shared that testimony. Just a little bit funny story about who I am, because we really don't know each other that well because of COVID and things. But um, how many of you guys have seen the Christmas story? Okay. It's on every Christmas, right? Now, there's one part in the Christmas story about a kid who gets triple dog dared. Right? They're on, the, they're on the playground, and he's like, triple dog dare you to stick your tongue on this pole. I was that kid growing up that, that, got, that actually didn't even get triple dog dared. I just actually did it because I saw it on a movie and thought it was funny. But um, So one day, I was sledding. I grew up in Massachusetts, and there was a, there was a community college in, in between a mountain. So they had two, like a nice hill on one side. I mean, it was pretty high up. And it went down in the valley, had some ball fields, baseball fields, had the cages. And on the other side of the mountain was the college, right? And we were sledding down it. And I stuck my tongue to the metal gate on the ball field because I don't know why. All right, so that just shares who I am. I am still that crazy a little bit, but I'm just tired more, right? So I don't do it as much. Um, Pastor Sherry actually asked us on Thursday to come up with stories. So when I was asking the Lord, what kind of story can I share? She said, hey, what's a good snow story on Thursday, which really helped me out because it made me think of a snow story. And it's like, oh, that's the one I can share with you guys. So thank you, Pastor Sherry, for that. Today we're going to talk about um, prayer, pray like Jesus. Before we get started in that, I have a scripture verse for you that I want you to write down. It's not, it's not in, in my notes uh, but this is something that when we were praying and worshiping, the Lord told me to challenge you with. Isaiah 55, verse 1. You could just write that down. You don't have to write word for word, okay? Come, everyone who's thirsty, who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine, milk without money and without price. I challenge you, are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty for God today? Or have you become complacent? Are you hungry for the Lord today? What's awesome is that he says, come and buy and eat without money. So, are you thirsty today? Now remember that for the end of our service. Okay? Today we're talking about pray like Jesus, but we're talking about one big idea. I, I have... Trained for seven years in seminary. I was taught how to preach. I was taught the different preaching styles and, you know, which one would they prefer, which one that we should prefer. I was taught how many hours to prepare for a message at seminary. You should be at least eight to ten hours a week, Chris. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your sermon justice. You're giving the people nothing and you're just fluff. Let me tell you something. I don't do that anymore. I read the word to know him. I study to know him. I worship to know him. Out of him flows everything. Right? I don't preach three-point sermons anymore. The reason why is because when I did that, I'd ask somebody the next day, hey, how'd you like the sermon? Oh, man, it was amazing. I said, okay, what part did you really like gravitate toward? Oh, I don't remember. I'm like, you don't remember? You don't remember anything? Nope. But it was a good sermon. I'm like, how is it a good sermon if you don't remember? So in 2015, I worked for a pastor, 
great man, and he taught me this idea of preaching on the big idea. One thing that we hammer home, and that's what we're going to do for you today. My one idea, my big idea is prayer is life equal to breathing. Now we have to unpack this. I can't just stay this and then drop the mic and walk off. We have to dive deeper. And what I'm going to tell you today is so simple, it's complicated. Because prayer is simple, but it's complicated. So if we go to the next slide. Oh, you're already there. Thanks, buddy. You're on top of it. Hey, these guys are awesome. Last service, I had them running around there helping me out. So good job, guys. Thank you. We're going to start with my friend Martin Luther. Martin Luther, many of you guys know him. Very awesome man that rebelled against the Catholic Church in the 1500s. Man after my own heart. Right? Let's always rebel against the establishment of religion. Especially if they're asking for money for people to get to heaven. So Martin Luther does this study in seminary and he reads Romans and Galatians and he starts to have an awakening moment to where he's like, oh my gosh, it's not about them paying us a thousand dollars to get their brother into heaven. It's about Jesus' grace and following him. So he writes a 95 page or 95 thesis statement, stamps it to the door. And at that moment, seals his fate to totally transform Christianity as we know it. He is our great-grandfather for Protestant religion because the Catholics wanted to kill him. And the, pre, the, the, prince of, the princes of Germany saved his life. But he wrote this statement. And this statement is essential to what everybody who follows Christ should believe. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible to be alive without breathing. Let that sink in for a second. He's saying that Christianity and following Christ in prayer are so intertwined as much as our lungs are with providing us oxygen when we breathe. That's how important prayer is. But yet in today's society, we don't think like that. We let other things get in the way. But for us to really truly unpack what we're going to talk about today, about how prayer is life equal to breathing, we have to go very back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2. Now I could sit here and razzle-dazzle you with all the Hebrew stuff about Genesis, but I'm not focusing on the genealogy of humanity and the aspect of how it started, because we know that God created all things. We know that God spoke all things, and that's how things were created. But there's a beautiful story within Genesis chapter 2 that we have to start. And that's when the Lord created man. See, you and I were not just spoken like the animals were, or the plants were, or the atmosphere was, or the stars were. We admire those things because how beautiful they are. But you and I, because of humanity, was created by God with his own hands. That's how important you are to him. That he came down, formed you in the dust, right? Formed Adam in, in, in the dust and breathed life into you. God cares that much about humanity that he would get off his throne and work his own self to get you, to build us, right? And so in Genesis chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust, from the, from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living creature. Why do we start there? 
We start there because you were created for relationship. You were created to have communication with God. You were created, yes, you're going to run the earth and I'm going to run heaven, but as long as our intimacy and our communication flow, then everything will be awesome. Prayer is life equal to breathing because we were created to communicate with him. The Jews believed that everything had spiritual meaning. They believed that everything, implication, what we speak, what, what happens around us had, had meaning to it. That's why James tells us in chapter 3 that there's power and life and death in the tongue. And I don't know if you know this or you're aware of this, but when you speak life over somebody, you're praying life into them. When you speak curses over somebody, you're speaking evil and praying evil into their life. I've done that. It's not fun to see what happens to a person because you're hurt by them and then you speak negative into their life and it, just, it, and it trickles down from there. That's why James also tells us that teachers are held to a higher standard. But communication into the Jews' understanding is essential in prayer. We see in the Hebrew this word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it, so forgive me. Rakim, I believe, is what it is. And this word, it, it was interesting because there was this debate on is it, plural, is it a plural world, is it plural or not? And I believe that when we came to the conclusion that it's not plural, but it's the fullness of the verb. Right, so when you look in the Hebrew, there's that little square. If you see it, that square with the the uh, exclamation or the whatever it says, suffix and the words express, not plurality, but the predominance property of characteristic, the fullness of the verb, meaning that 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 God breathed the fullness of life into Adam's nostrils. Let that sink in for a second. The fullness of life was breathed into humanity at the moment God formed man. And then he separated man and made woman, showing us that we're equal. Right, ladies? Some, some ladies say even more than men. Right? 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 But God created that. He breathed that into it. And what did he want? He wanted relationship. He wanted constant communication. In the cool of the day, he would walk with Adam and talk to him. He wanted intimacy. And what happened? It was broken because of Adam and Eve's being deceived. But the fullness of life lives in you. The fullness of peace, joy, love, happiness, physical, spiritual, emotional. The fullness of everything God breathed into you. And he wants us to have communication, relationship, intimacy back with him. This is why he sends Jesus Christ. So that leads me to the next point. You know, so many times I, I got saved in 2002. And back then it was, hey, send a sinner's prayer, say the sinner's prayer, say this. You know how many times I said the sinner's prayer? Like 50 times. Every time I sinned, I was saying that prayer because I didn't understand that Jesus didn't just come for salvation. 
I didn't understand that, that Jesus didn't just come to say a sinner's prayer. Jesus came, yes, that's a sliver, it's a piece of the pie, but Jesus came to have intimacy and relationship with you and me. He came to restore everything sin destroyed. He came to give us the fullness of life back in our breath. That's why Paul tells us in Romans that he's the second Adam. Why? Because like N.T. Wright says, he's restoring everything back to how it was. He has become a king. He has led us like Moses out of Exodus, out of slavery, into the promised land. Jesus came so that he can communicate and have relationship with you on a deep level that we can't even reach. So this starts to sin. Prayer is life, but prayer is life in intimacy. So the very first step to prayer is life is developing intimacy. And to help us with this, I let us, I brought us to John chapter 5. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. John chapter 5. John is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I know it's Pastor Sherry's. Uh, we found that out last service. Uh, I, I told this story that when I was at a, I had a really great mentor at Regent. His name was Grand Twelve Tree. He's uh, the dean of London Theological Seminary right now. And um, he, man, he was crazy. His theology and New Testament study was just nuts. Like, it totally challenged us. We had arguments. But I told him this. I said, you can have Matthew, you can have Mark, you can have Luke, but you can't have John. And he said, well, why not? I said, because that's my, that's my gospel. He I don't care about the other ones, I want John. Why do I want John? Because John shows us the intimacy and relationship between God and Jesus, and then between us, God, and Jesus. It shows us the love that he has for us, and it shows us the steps in some aspects of how we can remain and be one with Jesus so that we can flow in that same intimacy and relationship. So we see in John chapter 5, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son could do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him that all he himself is doing, and greater works than these will be shown him, so that you may marvel. For the Father, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son will gives life to whom he will. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus forsook everything to become man. He humbled himself lower than the angels to become man. I believe 100% that Jesus is the model for how we should have intimacy with God the Father through Christ. I believe that Jesus got to the point where everything he did was because the Father and the Holy Spirit were, leaving, were leading him. I believe that he relied on the Holy Spirit to do what he did through his life, all the way to the cross. I believe that you and I can have some level of intimacy there. Jesus did it through prayer. And that's how we have to start. Prayer is life equal to breathing. It's so simple, it's complicated. Why? It's a simple statement that starts you on a journey, but the relationship is so complicated. We also, some of us are processors, right? So we, we process our emotions, or maybe we think seven layers deep. Maybe we think more detail than others, or maybe you, you have emotions and you process those emotions, right? And you, you got to think about it, and you got to, so you start to get stuck in where? In here, or you get stuck here, 
I'm not like that. I'm a person that stays three levels deep. It drives my, what's, my wife nuts because I'm not detailed, right? So cleaning, I'm like, yeah, I dusted. <laughs> and she's like, no, you didn't. I was like, but I did. I took the duster and did it. So, but for us who get stuck in our heads or get stuck in our heart, it's complicated because we sit there and we say, okay, God, I want to try this prayer thing out or I want to try this intimacy thing out. I want to try this. I want to take this step forward because I want my relationship with you to get deeper because that's what they're telling me to do at church. But I sit here in silence or I sit here in worship and my mind goes everywhere. It's so simple, it's complicated. Prayer is simple, but it's complicated. But Jesus found it. He would go in the cool of the day and he would pray. He would go in the evenings and he would pray. What would he pray? We don't really know, do we? The only prayer we really see of Jesus is John 17. Right? But I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you from experience. When I said, God, I'm not worried about my sickness. I'm not worried about my finances. I'm not worried about what this person said about me. I'm not worried about my job or having a thousand things to do and I can't get them done in in, in time. When I threw all that aside and said, I don't care about all that. I just want to know you. That took me on a journey that changed my life. It's so simple. It's complicated. When you get to the point and you say, God, I want to start laying the foundation of a relationship with you and it has to be formed in intimacy. So God, I want to know you. That will send you on a journey, and he will teach you. He will teach you. He will lead you to the right people to talk to. He will lead you to the books to read. Because I'm no greater than anybody, and he did it for me. It's like this. And then we're going to get to the next point, because I'm running out of time. It's like this. I'm not going to go up to somebody and start demanding things, am I? I'm not going to go up to Larry or Pastor Sherry and say, hey, you know, I need, I have a bill that's about $3,000. Can I have that? And they don't know who I am. Right? Why would I do that? If I want a relationship with them, I'm not going to ask for something. I'm going to say, hey, can we just have coffee? Can we get down and say, can we communicate? Can we start to build a relationship? I want to get to know you. I met a man last night that's the, uh, it's really funny, Pastor Sherry. I met the student pastor for Rock Church. He works at the Y. Had no idea. So I said, dude, we got to get coffee. And it started because he likes strongman and I like strongman. So it was really cool. But I was like, I'm not going to say, hey, you know, I have these needs at the youth group. Can you fix them for me? But yet we do that to God. We say the sinner's prayer and then we say, okay, God, I have bills. I have health. Fix it all. We have to get to the point where none of that matters. If you get homeless, you get homeless. If you, if you get sick, you get sick. All that matters is relationship and identity and intimacy with who he is. We start to communicate to him. All that matters is we build this relationship because out of that will flow your answer to health. Out of that will flow your answer to finances. Out of that will flow your answer to relationship. Out of that will flow your answer to, to doing your job. Everything flows from that. But you have to start with this intimacy that Jesus modeled of spending time with the Father saying, God, what is your will, not mine? And then it leads to 
Prayer is life and relationship. John 15, 4, my favorite verse of the whole Bible, 15, 4 through 7. Abide in me and I is in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and in my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Intimacy, then relationship. And what is relationship? Abiding in Jesus Christ. Apart from that, you can do nothing. Abiding simply means remain, remain, stay, be one with him. Abiding in Jesus remain, means to remain in constant relationship with him. There's a great book that I recommended to the first, so I'm going to recommend it now. It's by a guy named Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray wrote a book. He wrote several books, but the book that I'm talking about is called Abiding in Christ. In the 1800s, this man sees a revival, wants to be a part of the revival. He was a pastor for many years, never saw the power of the Holy Spirit. Went to the revival, they talked about abiding. They talked about this concept of just complete surrender to Jesus, regardless of what happens. And when he started that, it blew his mind. Totally transformed his ministry. He saw revival in South Africa. It just totally rocked his world. The things that we pray for, God use us like the disciples. God, I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the healed people healed. All that stuff didn't come because he just said Jesus. All that stuff came because he abided. And out of abiding, then Jesus led him to that. Right? So he has this awesome quote I want to read to you. It's actually several quotes. Let me learn the lesson. Abiding is to be an act of the will and the whole heart. You are the branch. You need nothing more. You need not, for one single moment of your day, take upon your responsibility of the vine. You need not leave the place of entire dependence and unbound confidence. Abiding in me is indispensable, for you know it, and of yourselves can do nothing to maintain or act out the heavenly life. The wholehearted surrender in everything to do his will that gives us access to life in the abiding enjoyment of his love. Obey and abide. Abiding isn't, your answers for your issues, answers for your life aren't found in the new Bible study. They're not found in programs. They're found in abiding in Jesus Christ. Prayer is life in relationship. Prayer is life in intimacy. Prayer is equal to breathing. How do you abide? You spend time in prayer. And it's not the prayer of God, give me this. It's the prayer of God, I want to know you. It's so simple, we miss it because it's complicated. Jesus wants to have a great relationship with all of us. Intimate, deep, to where he send us to Walmart to pray for somebody to be healed. Happened in my life. Many times. I call them assignments. I remember one time he sent me to the beach in Norfolk. Check this out. He said, go pray on the beach in Norfolk. I said, okay. So I went and prayed. Sat there for an hour in prayer. I said, when, what am I doing? 
And he goes, there's somebody coming. I want you to walk the beach towards them. Walk the beach towards them. The dude was high as a kite. High as a kite. But as soon as I started speaking, he sobered up like that. Gave his life to Jesus Christ right there. Not only that, but was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. All right there. Why? Because Chris is special? No, Chris puts his tongue on metal things that are cold. Chris ain't no special. I'm not Billy Graham. It's because I just wanted to know God. I kid you not, I used to evangelize all the time. I, I, since I got saved, I was always on the street evangelizing, speaking the gospel. That was my gift, was evangelism. And I never saw anybody to come to Christ. I never saw anybody healed anything. I believed the word. I wanted to do it. I prayed like the Dickens. I fasted. But when I read about Enoch in, the, in, the, in, the, in Genesis, where it says that Enoch walked with God and he was no more, I said, what is that? What is that? What is this? Why is this here? And I said, man, he must have been special to you, God. And I said, if he's special to you, I want to be special to you. Teach me how to walk with you like Enoch did. Rocked my world. When I started to evangelize, I'd say, okay, God, where am I going? Who am I talking to? He's like, don't worry about any of that. Just tell me how much you love me. I said, oh, okay, that's different. So I'd walk with God, I'd run with God, I'd go to the gym with God and say, man, I just love you. I would just sit there for an hour and say how much I love you. And he would lead me to these people. It's nuts. Sorry to spit, but it's nuts. Because I always be like, go pray for this guy's foot. I go pray for this guy's foot. He goes, dude, I'm going to have heart surgery because my heart's a mess and I can't, and I'm scared. Can you pray for me? I pray for him. Three weeks, never heard from him. I'm running back from the gym. The Lord says, go a different way. I go a different way, run right into him. He says, dude, I've been looking for you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, I went to the doctor after our prayer. And he goes, dude, there's nothing wrong with your heart. Why are you here? And I'm like, no. He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that's nuts. Right? I'm at the gym. And this dude did not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Said he loved Jesus, but didn't believe in the power of the Spirit. I said, let me pray for your knee. He said, okay. I said, just give God a shot. Prayed for his knee. Never felt anything leave me. Usually you feel something leave you when the Holy Spirit moves. Never, I mean, I'll say, well, God, maybe I missed it there. He goes, no, I told you to do it. You did it. Right? Comes back to me three weeks later, says, man, I don't know what happened, but I went to the doctor and my knee ligaments are all 100% better. I was like, Jesus happened, right? Why? Because I said, Lord, I want to go heal? No, because I said, God, I love you and I want to abide in you. Because I want to know you in communication like it was meant to be. Because prayer is life equal to breathing. But it took me 15 years of following Christ to understand it. Because it's so simple, it's complicated, Heidi Baker tells us the only way to the only way it's able to bear fruit is to remain in the vine. We cannot bear fruit unless bear fruit that lasts unless we learn how to abide in Jesus. It is as we worship him and enjoy his love that he creates the fruit. We cannot create fruit, but we can live in intimacy. A tree produces a fruit but simply abiding, not striving. Out of abiding surrender comes intimacy. Out of intimacy flows 
all other things. Prayer is life equal to breathing. Now, before we um, have a little altar time, I want to share something with you. Many of you are saying, that's great, but I have work. That's great, I have lives. I have a lot of things happening, right? I got to do this, I got to do this. I have little kids that drive me nuts. Amen? Amen. If you guys know my daughter, she's crazy. But I love her deeply, right? I have an eight-year-old son. I have a 21-year-old that we're rebuilding relationships. I have life. I'm working essentially two jobs. My wife is a teacher. That's nuts these days. So we understand what you're talking about. But I want to share this before we open the altars here. There was a monk in 1626 who, at 18, his name is Brother Lawrence. He wrote a book. He was an awkward fellow. He, he was basically dispatched because he was a bumbling person. He fumbled and messed up a lot in the monk monastery. They put him in the kitchen. They told him to be the cook. For 15 years, he cooked in a society of monks. He wasn't able to go and pray with the other monks. You think because they're in a monk monastery, right? That's all they would do is pray. But he would cook from sun up to sundown. He would cook, clean, prepare, cook, clean, prepare, cook, clean, prepare. He wrote a book about intimacy and prayer while you work. So there's no excuse of why prayer can't be life while we work or why we take care of our kids or why we change diapers or why we are building relationship with other people. And he says this, I made it my business only to preserve his holy presence Habitual, habitual silence and secret conservation of the, of, the soul, of the soul with the Lord. In other words, imagine that God is always near, dangling over your shoulder, tucked in your pocket of your dungarees. No need for pity or cathedral walls. No need for practice vespers or slipping away to be in silent of every day. Brother Lawrence showed us that God is with us everywhere. It's not necessary for being with God always at a church. We make the ordinary uh, of our hearts wherein we retire from time to come to converse with him in meekness, humility, and love. He's always near and with you. Leave him not alone. You, you would think it'd be rude to leave a friend alone, yes? To converse with him and meet, I mean, you'd come visit him, your friend would visit you. Then why then must God be neglected while we're working, while we're doing things, while we're playing. Prayer is life, my friends. It's equal to breathing. Everything you do, you can invite God in. He's there with you. But it builds on intimacy and relationship with him through abiding with Jesus. Everything flows out of that. So what I'd like to do now, I know I'm a little over, but I'd like to take a couple minutes and just have a moment of silence, a moment of prayer, open these halters while he plays. If you want, just ask God, I want to know you. I don't want you to pray about, he knows your problems. And I want you to just listen to his voice. If you struggle with that, it's usually the first thing after you talk to him that comes in your head. It's not the things that you question. Or it is the things you question. It's not the other comments. Right? So just take a moment. 
Spend time with the Lord. Tell him you want to know him. guys we're gonna have the keep the altars people want to pray before those who don't want to leave i just want to remind you of isaiah 55 like i told you come everyone who's thirst come to the waters and he who has no money come buy and eat please remain thirsty for god for he's thirsty for you remain hungry for god he's hungry for you remember you wouldn't neglect a friend so spend time this week in prayer and communication. He loves you very much. He loves you very much. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my friends. Thank you for all of them. Lord, help us to, even me, it's so easy to get caught up in today, society and doing things that we forget you. But prayer is equal to life. We have to put that importance in us. So Heavenly Father, we yield to you. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. I surrender everything. Have your way in our lives. Bless my friends. Bless Sally Murphy with your healing hand. Bless Pastor Duran as he travels. And those who can't be with us, those on Facebook. Lord, there are some there that need some healing, and I could see it. If you're on Facebook, if you're watching YouTube later, I don't, I don't know, but you need, you need restoration. You need complete healing uh, for something. So, Lord, I just thank you that you would go forth and, and have your kingdom manifest in that situation, just more of your love. Thank you guys for coming. Just bless them, Lord, and keep them in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's Wisdom Catcher episode. Wisdom Catchers is a ministry of Coastlands Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. If you would like to contact us or support the ministry financially, 
please visit our website at coastlands-church.org for more information. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.